0: Good morning. Can you all hear me pretty well? Good. Um, Like Paul said, uh, I was raised in this church. I think it was two weeks after I was born was when we first started attending this church. So I've literally spent nearly 23 years here uh, my entire life. Um, But for me, it's a huge honor to be able to come and to actually get to speak at the church that I was raised in. Uh, but at the same time, I have to say, you know, I'm not uh, a theologian, a pastor. I, I can't even say that I'm anything close to uh, a seminary student. In fact, when Paul first asked me to come up and speak, I was terrified. Because before this, the uh, only people that I had spoken to um, about the Bible, about God or anything like that, were between the ages of 14 and 18. So this is a big step up for that. Um But I took time and prayed about it and and thought about it, and I felt that uh, God did have a message for me to come up and share with you guys, Um, and so that's what I'm going to focus on. But before uh, we go ahead and go into that, if you guys would just bow in prayer with me really quick. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day, God, and Lord, we just um, thank you for everything that you've done for us. This month, God, we are celebrating Missions Month and um, just the stuff that... People are willing to do to go out and to spread the gospel and spread the truth about you, God. Um, And Lord, we just ask that you lift those people up, um, both around the world, serving in different countries and here in the U.S., um, as they attempt to bring more people to your salvation, God. And Lord, we just lift them up uh, and ask that you would bless this message, and we give this all to you, in Jesus' name, amen. So, like Paul said, I've had a lot of well, a fair amount uh, of missions experience in my time so far. Um, Like you said, one of the very first things that I ended up doing was I went to Australia on a summer-long mission trip. I went to the organization Teen Missions International, which I believe a handful of other people in this room have also been able to uh, go on trips with them as well. And that was a really interesting trip for us. Mainly what we focused on was working on uh, dorm rooms and classrooms for students attending a small college that was run by Teen Missions International, but we were also given the opportunity to go out and witness to people um, on multiple different occasions. A lot of times when we would do um, shopping days or tourist days, if you will, a couple days that we just had that we weren't having to work, um, those gave us opportunities uh, to witness to people, mostly because the Australians would clearly see we were American, and that would pique their interest. Um, and we were able to tell them why we were over there, what we are doing. We also got to work in churches, um, listen to some of the pastors they had over there and work in the children's ministry. And one of the cool things that they have over in Australia is they still allow religious education in schools. So we went into about four or five schools, and were actually able to give a gospel presentation to the students there at the schools. And so that was an incredible life-changing trip for me. After that, I went on a week-long trip uh, with the youth group to Philadelphia. And for me, that one was interesting. Uh, they took our youth group and all the other youth groups and divided them up into small little groups that would go off and do separate things all throughout. And most of what we were all doing was construction work in general. But while some groups had more outdoor style work where uh, they could interact with more people, the group that I was with spent all our time inside of a church um, helping to remodel and fix it up. The church's sanctuary had actually pretty much all sunken into the basement. And so they had to move their entire sanctuary essentially into their fellowship hall. And so that's what we were helping out doing. And then on the trip to New York City, we did the exact opposite. We didn't do any construction work. Our main focus was on doing the witnessing in a program um, that the one that I went in was called Parks and Streets. And so with the streets, uh, you would set up prayer stations with this organization And um, it would just be, you'd be out there in prayer stations and people could either walk up to you um, and ask if you could pray with them. Or as people were walking by, you just ask them if there was anything that they needed prayer for. Um, And sometimes, most of the time, people probably said no. But there were still a lot of good times when people would say yes. And they'd stop and pray with you and open up themselves to have a greater discussion with you about Christ and about the gospel. And then on the park side of things, it would actually go into the parks And do witnessing to the people there. And the last bit of experience that I have was going through Lake Ann Camp, like Paul said. Uh, Three summers ago, I worked as a counselor up there. And that was um, incredible, being able to work literally side by side with the campers there, um, getting to know them so well. Uh, On multiple occasions, I was blessed to be the one who could actually um, lead some of the campers to Christ. And then this past summer, I worked as a senior high program director where it was interesting. I wasn't working directly with the students as much, but rather I was the one making sure everything was running well, setting up the games, um, and all the other stuff that kind of went along with that. But it was incredible to watch and to see everything um, that went on in that camp for me. And so through all that experience that I've gone through, um, the biggest thing that I really discovered through it all is as much as there's a need and there absolutely is a need for missions trips uh and and missionaries to go out into the world in all these foreign countries um we have just as much of a need for missionaries right here in the u.s right here in our surrounding area in our culture today we live in a culture that doesn't want to believe that they need a god that doesn't want to believe um that there even is a higher power, that a lot of times people want to believe just in themselves, what they're able to do. Um, What's good for them is good for them, and it doesn't have to be good for anyone else. And that's hard, and it's sad, because they are seemingly now less open to hearing the Word of God than they are in times past. But as Christians, you know, we're called to go ahead and to continue spreading the Word of God. Um, So one of the main passages I'm going to work out of here. Um, this morning is Matthew 5:13 through16. And Matthew 5:13 through16 reads, "You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven god calls us to go ahead and be a light to the people around us whether they're christians or not but it's a hard thing because what we just said is that people are becoming less and less open one of the Earlier this week, Pastor Paul sent me an article to go ahead and read um, that he thought might be helpful, and I was reading through it, and it amazed me how well it went along with what I was um, trying to speak about. And it's from uh, a guy who works as an associate pastor named Ryan Smith, and he was kind of at a meeting, uh, pretty much at lunch or something like that, um, with a bunch of other Christians, and they were going around, and the question was posed, what is my motivation Um, to serve and to witness. And while most of the people just kind of nodded and kind of brushed the question off, it really hit Ryan um, right in his heart as he thought about that question over and over again. He he just thought, what is my motivation for this? And one of the things that he wrote down in this article, he said that if my only motivation for sharing the gospel is that I should, then there is something incredibly broken in me. Christianity is not a should religion. And it hit me when that was written, when he said that, because it made me realize, you know, as much as we can say that we are called to do it, it should be something so much more beyond that. As Christians, we have been changed. We should be different. It shouldn't be something that we feel that we need to do. It's something that we should do. But rather, it should be something that we desire to do. And continuing on in Ryan's article, he continued to write, What the church needs most is the continual outflowing plea of starving beggars telling other starving beggars where they have found a feast that never runs out. And in closing, he writes, Let us fill each other with that and watch the levees overflow with joyful proclamation. I love the description that he gave in writing that describing even us as Christians As these starving beggars, along with the non-believers, also starving beggars. And it hit me because we're really not that much different from them. We're still sinners. As Christians, we're not perfect. We're not better than them. The difference in the case of starving beggars is we have found that feast that never runs out. As Christians, we have found salvation and peace in God. And reading that too... If that feast is something that never runs out, why would you keep that to yourself? It doesn't matter if it never runs out for just you or if it never runs out for a million people. The feast is never going to run out. So if you know there's starving beggars all around the world, why would you not bring them to that feast? Why would you not want to bring them to that feast? And in the same way as Christians, we have found... The salvation in Christ. We have found uh, the blessed gift that He has given us in eternal life. Why would we not want others to come and enjoy that same blessing, that same gift that we have received from God? It was once quoted, but how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about Christ? The funny thing about that quote is, it wasn't even said by a Christian, it was said by an atheist. A well-known one, Penn Gillette, who was known for doing magic acts or um, even disproving magic in Las Vegas. And uh, after doing one show, he had a man in, uh, approach him. And in this interaction, the man, you know, was thanking him and saying he loved his shows. I think that was the second time that he had went and attended that show that week. Um, but he had also brought a Bible with him to give to Penn. Um, and Penn being a devout atheist and, and whatnot, you know, he was still cordial, um, but he um, just kind of said thank you, but no thanks. But afterwards, thinking about it and thinking about everything, he came to a realization that even as an atheist, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about Christ? To know that they would be going to hell and that you wouldn't tell them. And while I think hate is a strong word, I think it does tell us a point about that. How much do you have to hate someone? How much do you have to not like them? How much is it that you are not willing to tell them about Christ? It shouldn't just be that we should. And beyond that, it shouldn't just be the desire to tell them. It should be a sense of urgency to tell them too, To let them know that, you know, you need Christ. But it goes back to saying, how do we reach a culture that we have today? How do we reach a culture that essentially doesn't want to be reached? And that's the big question for what we have to do. And I think the Apostle Paul goes ahead and answers that one um, in 1 Corinthians 13. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1, he gives an introduction to what this would be. And he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love I am nothing and if I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing an In introduction paul's telling us the power that love has, the power that love can do to change both your life and others' lives. So what is the love that we need to betray, the love that can change people who don't want to be changed? Well, Paul continues on in verse 4 and describes love out perfectly. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is Not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love is the key of what we have to do, to use, to reach a culture that doesn't want to be reached. You know, that passage we just read through 1 Corinthians 4-7, through most people like to think of it as the wedding passage. That's the verses that always get said at the wedding about love and whatnot. But it's more than that. It's more than just a love between a man and a wife. It's a love between someone and their children, and their siblings, and their parents, and their friends, and their neighbors, and even their enemies. It's the perfect example of a Christ-like love that we are to go ahead and to follow. And we need to use that love. We need to love, like Christ does, towards other people. Um, one of the amazing things that I was able to find and to see and to experience when I was at Lake Lakeham Camp was to see so many people exemplifying the love of Christ to others. And there's a couple stories that I have. Um, One is, the first one is about a girl um, who most of the camp affectionately began to know as blue because she had dyed her hair blue. Um, And with this girl, she'd come to camp beforehand a couple times. Um, And so she came to camp this year. She wanted to come and have fun. She knew about all the games and stuff that they would get to do. She loved that. She loved being able to have the food they had there. She loved the atmosphere. But this past summer, there was another reason that she wanted to come the camp, and that was because she wanted to prove what she had begun to believe about Christians. The thing about Blue is that she um, started telling her counselor some of these things, which included things that she had feelings for other women, uh, that she dealt with depression, that she experimented with drugs and alcohol, and dealt with many other issues. And what she wanted was that she wanted to feel hated. She wanted to feel condemned. And she wanted to feel like Christians weren't the loving people that she had always heard. There's the good, good news and bad news with what happened with Blue. The good news is she left camp knowing that every single person there loved her. And loved her with a Christ-like love. The unfortunate news is that she did not leave on Saturday morning like most of the other campers would. She left on Wednesday afternoon because she couldn't handle what she was feeling because she couldn't handle all the love that was being directed towards her that she wanted people to hate her she wanted people to tell her how much she was wrong and how awful of being she was but instead they showed her that christ-like love as they were patient and kind with her they didn't envy anything about her they didn't boast over her they weren't arrogant to her nor were they rude they didn't insist that theirs was the own way they weren't irritable, irritable. they weren't resentful. They didn't rejoice at her wrongdoings, but rather rejoice at the truth of her life. And they were willing to bear all things and believe in all things and hope all things and to endure all things for her. And she couldn't handle that. But the good thing about that story is I hold to the truth that it would be better for her to have left on Wednesday afternoon knowing that everyone there loved her. And so did God than her to have left on Saturday morning proving what she had believed. Because the thing that I can hope for, the thing that I have faith in, is that we as a camp had laid the groundwork for her, that though she left on Wednesday without accepting, that somebody else would come into her life and continue on the work that we had started. There are many other stories similar to her, though, that have a bit of a happier ending, um, of students, campers who would come in, Same experience as her, or ones that would come in as atheists, have no intention uh, of learning anything about the Bible, of anything about God that week. They just came because they heard, hey, you get to play paintball one of the days. Or they'd come in um, and would be sick of the church and tired of that, or come in and even just be sick and tired of life. And at the end of every week at camp, one of the things that they do is that the whole camp comes together, and they light a big bonfire, and at that bonfire they give the campers the opportunity to stand up and say what God has done in their lives today. And it still amazes me how many times I've been able to hear the story of campers get up and say, I came here to camp with no intention of learning a thing, with no intention uh, of listening to the speaker, I just came to have fun. But then they tell stories about how their counselor actually listened to them. The counselor didn't condemn them, that they prayed for them, that they yearned for them and wanted them to be better, and it opened and softened their heart. And then through that entire week, they were able to feel the love of Christ through everyone working there, not just the counselors, not just the directors, not just the speakers, but even through the workers serving their food and cleaning their cabins, and that they realize that God is real and that God truly does love them, and that there are people in this world who can love them like God loves. The fact is, how we reach a generation, a culture or a society that doesn't want to be reached is by showing them a Christ-like love. If you go back to, to Matthew 5 once again, and verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what we're shining. We're shining our love to the people that surround us. And it's not about going in and when you're with somebody, whether it's a co-worker, whether it's someone that you sit there, and have lunch with at school whether it's your next door neighbor it's not about going and telling them right away what they're doing wrong it's showing them love a christ-like love that god has told us and then when you have that opportunity whether it's them asking you you know what makes you different some may say and look and say you know your life isn't the best but yet you live it happy and enjoy it enjoy everything and you're always kind to people what makes it different And you take that moment, and whether it's just starting and saying, well, I'm a Christian, whether it's being able to ask them to go to church, whether it's actually being able to open up a conversation about sharing the gospel with them, about sharing what God has done for you and what he can do for them, you continue to show them love and you continue to let that love work in their life until they can see that it's something beyond you loving them, but that's also God loving them too. So shine your light and shine your love if you'll bow with me, please. Dear Lord, we thank you so much again for this day, God, um, and for everything that you do for us, and the love that you show us each and every day, God. And Lord, we see a huge mission field here before us, both in our surrounding area, and this country, and around the entire world. And God, we just ask that you would fill us with the love that you showed to us. And God, that we could let that light Go ahead and shine to all those around us and that they can see that there is something different about us, that there is something worth pursuing in us. And God, I just ask that you would be able to let the love that you give to us shine through us towards other people and that they would be able to see it and seek you out and know that you are the God and that you are the truth and that you are the peace in this life and beyond. Lord, we lift this all to you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, Dwelt among men, my example is He. The Word became flesh, and the light shined among us. His glory revealed. Living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He carried my sins far away. Rising He judged. Mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering, angry, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is he. Hands and healed nations stretched out on a tree. Since. since far away, rising He justified.